H. John here. I'm interrupting tonight's broadcast for a very special and secret request. In a few days' time, it's Graham's birthday, and um, I'd like to surprise him on next week's show with a few messages from you all. So if you'd like to record a little audio file, a video, you could write a song or a poem, or you could just call him a massive really, whatever suits you need. Um, if you could send them through to sunny16presents at gmail.com, I will make sure they go into next week's show. Graham's here every week making sure that the show goes out. He's doing stuff behind the scenes with regards organizing guests, putting together the Sunny 16 shows as well, making sure they all go out. He puts a shed load of time into this. Um, and it's because he loves doing it, but he also loves to know that people are out there, you know, and potentially listening <laughs> in part. So please send through your, your well wishes and your happy birthday messages to him. So that's sunny16presents at gmail.com. If you can get something to me by Sunday afternoon, that'd be great. We've just had confirmation for our next guest that we're recording on Sunday evening. Um, so stop listening to this now. Record an audio message. Record a little video. Send some words through to sunny16presents at gmail.com. Thank you very much. On with the show. <laughs> Welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast for another week. Uh, it's me, Graham. I'm here. Oh, obviously, I've started talking. It's a dead giveaway when I start doing that. And I am here this week with two of my most favourite people. I have with me the wonderful Claire Marie Bailey. Claire, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Graham. Nice to um, be here as always. It's lovely to have you here with your fancy new hairdo. And John, <laughs> John, how are you? Hey, oh, yeah, I'm all good. Thank you very much. Grand to be back. Grand to be back. Now, uh, right at the start of the show, we're going to let listeners know that this is going to be, one, a video show as well. This will be going out on YouTube because we've got a few show and tell bits that we want to cover this week. So if you want to see Claire's lovely new hairdo and um, <laughs> John and myself, just not loving new hairdo, but we just look great. The Beardy Bros, uh, we're both here. Um, also, it's probably going to be a fairly short show. Uh, we're going to try and keep mm. it a fairly short show. If you've heard these words before and you're already rolling your eyes going, oh, bleep, when I see it, that's fair that's fair um we had hoped to have a super special return guest this evening but owing to an administrative cock-up which was entirely my fault uh he can't be with us but we will be having him next week so look forward to that i won't say who it is but it's a it's a returning friend um and i'm just gonna say a very handsome dashing returning friend so people will know who that is already anybody who's listened for any length of time um so what we got this evening well I had planned to delve into the uh, listener email bag and pull out some listener emails, but it's been very, very quiet on the listener communication front lately. Um, and most of the stuff that we've had come in has been about the lighting challenge, which is great, but that stuff that you're going to be talking about, isn't it, John, mm -hmm. on yeah. your upcoming lighting lamp show? So instead of that, we're just going to have a quick catch up about what we've all been up to, really. And we've got a zine to chat about. I think maybe even a couple of zines you want to mention a couple of, didn't you, John? So, um, um, yes. Yeah, there's one to show. 
Indeed. One to show, one to talk about. Um, but let's start off with what we've all been up to now. Claire, um, mm. on the subject of terrible organisational incompetence, we missed you last week <laughs> on, on the end of the show because uh, you were off voting or drinking or voting and drinking. We're not entirely sure, but you did seem a little bit in an altered state of mind by the end of the evening. Um, how did your lighting challenge go? Um, well, I enjoyed the challenge. Um, and like I said, it's interesting because once you, if you're patient, that's what I found. Like, like if you listen to the audio, um, my first location when I, because I missed, can you believe it? I wanted to go to the forest near me. And because it was so dark, I actually missed the turning. So I carried on, went to a separate location. Um, initially thought not much of it, but with a bit of patience and circling the car and really looking, um, slightly changed my mind and then it was when I came back into the car that I liked the you know the view from outside the windscreen and then I went to the forest but yeah no no I, I they're always fun aren't they time always time always rattles away for an hour but mm -hmm. I haven't have I'm sorry I haven't developed my role yet so I can't see my results John's shaking his head so I do follow mm. and did you not take any polaroids on the night in the end, no, I I didn't. But I have been kind of busy with Polaroids in a, in a different way. Because um, I, I went to, do you remember I was telling you I'd gone to, I'd been away. Your tower. My tower, yeah. And it had been like postponed and postponed because of COVID. So I was trying out my, I don't know if you can see. Um, mm -hmm. so I was trying out my um, my new, I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> Left a bit, right a bit. Uh, I'm terrible. <laughs> My, my my lights so they definitely the ones you've got going they definitely made a difference so mm -hmm. that's one. and i was trying them um this is another one sorry for listeners i'm just holding up a couple of polaroids trying to show you this this was really late at night actually and i was going through the the rainbow <laughs> as you like mm -hmm. um and you can see, actually, you can see this one is a bit more red and, and orange. So, yeah, you, the, the, the good tip is um, the camera's pointed at your face to so put the picture in front of your face. Yeah. Uh, what, so, I had um, a good play. so I had a good play with, with those newer lights. And um, when I was playing with them, I found, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, you can get an app for, for them. Um, and I, I found the... It, that I found that you can control them and perfect them better from your from the phone app that if you if you you know link them and um, I was playing you know light on your colored light on your face and then keeping your face unlit if you like or um, the colors just behind you I was you know trying out different things I had a good play with those I don't know if you've had a chance to play with yours, Graham. It's not my birthday yet, Claire. I haven't opened them yet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Can't spoil that surprise. Are they um, in can the we house talk about... They are in the house. Oh. Lights in the house. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to mucking around with those. But I haven't yet, so I have nothing to say about those. But I would like to, because um, we've said casually, you said casually, oh, I was at the tower. You remember I mentioned I was going to that. Now, I think most people listening to this will be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you were going to the tower? Because that's not actually a normal person thing that one does. Um, but I think it's really interesting, you know, as we all think of, oh, how can we expand and do more stuff with our photography? What you did was a really great way of doing that. So tell us what you mean when you say you went to the tower. You didn't get sent to London Tower for your no. crimes. 
Uh, which oh, is I weird. A, thing, a, a bit of history actually about the about the tower. I was actually in Venice in um, a few years ago, and I was in the Guggenheim Gallery, and I actually was looking at a, a painting, and I saw the words. I just happened to glance, um, and I saw the words North Wales, so that really caught my caught my eyes. And I saw the word Gwyneth, and I thought, what? And um, basically. It was about, there was a painting and it was a bit about this, uh, a collection of painters and they'd been to stay in um, a village in, in Gwynedd, um called Brinkir. Um and I think Alistair Crowley, who was like into the occult, had, had been with them as well. So I was quite intrigued and I thought, where's this tower? So I'd gone kind of one day um, on a record to find this tower and then I realised that you could actually hire the so that's where I went um, and I chose it um, because I thought um, the inter not just the exterior but the interiors as well would mm -hmm. be like good sets and good backdrops and so I went that's what I was doing so I did some still work and um, and I did a film there as well a moving film um, so I'm excited to get that back from from being processed um, to look at the footage yeah, so I'd been hoping to go there over over Christmas over Christmas holidays, but obviously COVID, it's been put off. So, yeah, so that's where I that's where I, I'd gone. Um, yeah, that's really yeah, cool. I, I think it's like it's a play with and yeah, um, that that thing a, of finding a character building to mm. go and because you know, I and you see this, you see people um, doing shops in hotel hotel rooms. i mean mm. it tends to be a lot of boudoir stuff you tend to see unfortunately that is the instant link but there are other spaces other interesting spaces beyond just hotel rooms um i would imagine especially with airbnb these days there's probably quite a lot of weird and wonderful places you can yeah. find to go and um set yourself up and have a lovely weekend away and give yourself an entirely new photographic backdrop to play with i think mm. that sounds like a really good plan yeah, really I about I, I, whatever I was in my mind at the time, I go just googled pink pink rooms, pink hotel rooms because I had a sort of aesthetic in my head, and it kind of came up in, in all that search as well. So I thought, oh, you know, and, and it's close by and stuff. So 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 that's one one occasion, and then I've been um, doing. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of um bleaching and hand and coloring of polaroids and just some experimentation so don't think you can see these very 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 well yeah. I really like that one actually that, that last the one you just held was a picture a fairly a portrait of is it your you I'm guessing it's uh it was my so, character yeah and some yeah bleached I did quite a few. There's some, some more here. I think I mean, Polaroid literally just released a, what do they call it, Geotone film? Yes. Like yellow and yeah. black, is that right? Yellow and black, which I have. Oh, that's exciting. And then and also, um, here's my inks. So, inks. Well, well, I've got some of them. Nice. Do they paint on the surface of Polaroids? Okay, then. No, they don't because uh, well, not on the surface. <laughs> on the surface, I've tried; they they won't st stick. But so I have to kind of find a way to um, play with the emulsion and get the get the get the ink inside. 
So if so, you see this one, the yeah. So describe it, Claire, because most people can't see it. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I'm holding it close is not going to make them see it if they're listening. No matter how yeah. close you hold Basically, it, no one can see it. <laughs> on one of my images, um, I did some, which isn't unlike me, but I did some like landscapes. So it's mm -hmm. like a bit forest near me and the estuary. So I did some Polaroids of them. Um, then I've taken them home and I've kind of bleached them. Um, very not too much. So I've bleached them to and try to loosen the emulsion. So, and then got so the dye, got the ink and the dye inside the Polaroid. So it's a bit so, of experimentation. So when you say bleach them, because I've never I tried this process, mm -hmm. are you one? What kind of bleach are you using? Domestos. This, oh my god, I was going to say, is it Domestos? I was like, it will never be just Domestos. It is Domestos. Yeah. Great. I love this already. Are you just painting it on? Are you diluting it? What are you um, doing with it? Um, what am I painting on the bleach? Yes. Um, I sort of I do different methods. Um, submerge it in bleach and water for a bit, leave it, then take it out, rinse it, um, rub bleach into the back, you know, do different right. te different techniques okay. for this. Um, you don't have to use domestos, you can use a bit of like spray on bleach. Um, but you know, it's amazing what you can do so much with just what you've got in your um, kitchen cupboards, really. Okay, that's really interesting. Cause I know that I've looked into um, bleaching photographs before ble yeah. bleaching prints, and you yeah. you have to you can't just use domestic bleach no. for that. No, so it's... this is a different thing. So you're using the bleach to partially break down the picture enough that then the paints can then the dyes can then get in yeah that's okay. the idea yeah that's the idea yeah. did, really I, cool. did i see that like you'd cut basically cut open the top of the polaroid so you can a couple of them i have yeah some i haven't and some i've almost literally i've I tried you know removing completely the the, the back of it away so it's mm. almost like a complete transparency so yeah. i had, I had a, a good play with that one afternoon all sorts of colours and bleach and stuff. Yeah. So. Have you shot with the new duochrome film yet? The new duo, whatever it's called. I've shot with. Um, I have shot with the yellow. Yeah. And, How is it? Uh, yeah, it's nice. But I'm really looking forward to. Um, yeah, I'll surprise you. Um, <laughs> I know what the surprise is. You're not surprising me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I already know. I've got some very special orange and black um film that was very kindly um sent to me actually uh by jeff he very kindly sent it to me so i'm um i'm really thinking hard about how i'm going to use that film yeah that yeah, sounds great that sounds great and then john oh sorry oh, there's more click on carry on yeah to, to listeners i got my book from brian so i'm really pleased um, ah yes a great book so um this is um obviously brian griffin's black country dada book it's got some really great images um so if you haven't got one i really recommend getting getting a copy i'm still waiting for mine to turn up I'm still waiting on mine so um i'm sure it'll be sent out soon i hope i might have to just send a message to kickstart to say well i haven't forgotten <laughs> but um, I'm really looking forward to. You got a print as well, didn't you, Claire? With that? Yes, I did. I went for um, 
Rushour London Bridge, which was the one that, if you remember, Brian was telling us, he mm. took it through the, the back of the um, the taxi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the first picture that he took that really rocketed yeah. him into the public eye, isn't it? And that it's one that was. Um, yeah, so many of his images that I love. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's really, yeah. really cool. Um, anything else, Claire? No, I don't think so. I watched a good Orson Welles film, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Arcadian, was it? Yeah, really good. Really good camera angles because he uses really unusual camera angles. And I think, you know, you can learn for your still work watching films. Mm-hmm. They're always quite low down. These the, the, the low down shooting up. And I don't know what lens he uses. So I have to look it up and people filling the frame. And yeah, really, really unusual camera work. Um inspirational awesome wells yeah sounds good sounds good john what have you been up to what have i been doing i've actually been <laughs> been doing some stuff this Woo! week it's a, oh, it's, it's a bit of a bit of a switch actually which has been great i did um the dark room talk this week to a local art group commentary art space mm-hmm. uh, which was good fun and i printed a large format photo that i took a couple of weeks ago of a local photographer and filmmaker called paul daly um very nice he he's currently working on a massive documentary project all shot on 16 mil i think it is um but hopefully we'll get him on at some point to talk about it because that's fascinating but yeah so i printed that as part of a darkroom demo that was that was good fun obviously had some technical issues with my cameras as is always the way but uh, nothing that wasn't overcome quite quickly um uh what else did i do i went and assisted on a photo shoot with a photographer called lisa craig who's working on a really long-term project called holding time um which is about mothers and breastfeeding and she's been taking portraits for two three years now i think and she's currently doing a series on coventry mothers um and i went to help assist set up lights and did some behind the scenes photography as well which was there while i was there which was what i love doing so it was it was great back doing that and just hearing some of the stories from these mothers as well was just inspirational about their kind of birth journey and their their feeding journey as well Mm. um so that was quite a moving experience really uh what else have i been doing oh and what else there's i'm doing an exhibition which i can actually kind kind of announce now uh, oh what month are we in it's the end of june it's happening um and it's a collaborative exhibition with myself and three other artists not photographers there's um an illustrator uh, a painter and a glass maker um and we're all coming together and i'm creating images that will then be painted on and they're all going to be exhibited in the holy trinity church in coventry um at the end of june so i'm having a mad panic at the moment regards getting those images ready (laughs) and some of them are going to be very large possibly up to about eight foot wide prints which i haven't done in a long time 
So I've had to completely move my darkroom around to get set up for that and go through that process again to make sure all my tanks mm-hmm. aren't leaking, which they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a problem one can have with tanks, is it? That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's very common. <laughs> you so. should buy a new one. They never have that problem. <laughs> no, oh. mine's, mine's homemade, so it's got its own oh, well. But yeah, it's like I got develop and fixer everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't oh, no. ideal <laughs> no no but hey it's uh it needed to be done now rather than when i'm actually creating mm. the, the final prints mm. so yeah bit of a bit of a test run for that you showed me some of the stuff that you were working on for that and some of the work that the people you're collaborating with have done in the past it looks super cool uh, this um this collaborative work Ever. I think it's fantastic this idea where you have multiple people who are all getting their hands on the same piece of art. I think is really, really awesome. I think it, it makes for a really interesting end result. I was um one of my clients uh, was over visiting and she was showing me um some work. She does some painting and her daughter is also a painter. Her daughter does it quite mm-hmm. seriously. And they're doing something together where you know the the daughter is doing some of the work and getting texture and, and color in and then mm. her mum's coming in kind of stepping back and looking at it and going okay well this is what i'm seeing and then pulling out some of the detail to make it i i just find that whole idea of i mean i know we talk about photography as a collaborative thing in many different ways whether it's working with models or with makeup people or with lighting or whatever it might be there's loads of different ways that it can be a collaborative thing but that thing actually having one piece of work which multiple people are physically impacting the way it looks i think that's really awesome um really fun it's stuff fair, I, i'm finding it i'm finding it hard because I, I find it very difficult to kind of let go after i've made a print and do further processes to my own work mm-hmm. so actually handing it off to somebody else to just do whatever they want is like i've just got to just got to let it happen um mm. but yeah it's it's fascinating seems like a see. dream to me <laughs> your problem now I am quite enjoying that because normally when it comes to exhibiting, I'm doing things last minute and like panicking. Mm. Whereas because of the workflow of this, I've actually got to get my part of it done a lot earlier in advance so it can go mm-hmm. on to them. So I can actually just sit and back and relax in the couple of weeks before the exhibition, which is a that's a rarity. So you said this is the exhibition's happening end of June. Did you say where it was? Sorry, John. Uh in the Holy Trinity Church, which is in oh, the country yeah. city centre. Yeah, we're very, awesome. very lucky to have that as a venue. And connected to that, we're very fortunate that about three weeks ago, uh, myself and Amanda, who we're working with, we went up the Spire, which isn't open to the public. So I was able mm. to get some aerial um, city shots from up there, um, which was just a phenomenal experience. And I really want to take large format shots, but there wasn't even enough room to set a tripod up. So I was like, and I'm, I'm not very good with heights. So I just kind of wanted to get them done quickly and get back down. You did get some lovely pictures from there. Though. I've seen those. They looked great. They looked really cool. Did you get your pictures developed from uh, the um, lighting challenge last week? No, not yet. <laughs> That's a very positive got- no. It's here. It's still in the canister. Mm. I've, I've, I've actually run out of developer. Um, so I ordered some more today. I did a massive order from AG Photographic today to get that roll paper mm. in and, and stuff. So I've ordered some more uh, developers so I can get that done as well at the weekend. Buying bulk roll paper, how much does it cost to buy a roll of paper? I need I need this eye-watering information. How much was that? <laughs> Do I want to reveal this? 
So I mean, people can go to AG and look. It's not a secret. It's not listed on their website. They've had to order oh, really? it specifically for Milford, um, but they will list it eventually. I think it's so it's fifty inches wide and ten meters long, and it's about two hundred pounds. That's a spicy meatball. Yeah, it's spicy. And you've got to cut it all. Yeah, but actually, like if you compare that to say like sheets, I think it actually mm. is, is significantly cheaper if you were able to cut it all up yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this handling the rolls of paper is, is not an easy task um, by yourself. But yeah, that'd be all right. It'll be grand. It'll be grand. And what fun. developer did you order? What what uh, flavor developer did you go for? Multigrade. But, but for the film, no, you said you had to order some film developers. Oh, sorry, well. I'm ID11. ID11. Mm. Bog standard. Oh, I ordered some microphone as well. Because that's what I use when I push HP five. I really need to. I really need to settle into a developer. I tend to. So I've used HC ten a lot over the last few years, um, which is great. HC ten goes with everything, uh, but then that I'd had that for too long, so I stopped using that because I thought I'm going to stop before it bites me on the butt. Um, and just bought a bottle of Ilfosol three locally because I could grab it, and I know Ilfosol three is good. It's a great mm. reliable developer um but then over the weekend because i'm a good person and do what i say i'm going to do and i did actually develop my sheet film that i shot at the lighting challenge last week and another role of film and um there were no times for uh fomopan 200 in Ilfosol. so i ended up trying out um a developer that i bought i think i bought three bottles of it two years ago because it was cheap at the secondhand darkroom. I was like, let's not buy some of this. It's cheap. Why wouldn't I? Um, and it's Technol Paranol S. I don't know whether either of you have ever come across this. I think it's basically Technol's version of Rodinol. It's yeah. my very limited understanding from having not. But I mean, I tried it. It developed pictures. I'm gonna, I haven't actually got as so far scanning them yet. Um, but, you know, I have pictures. There you go. Nobody can see that, but there's pictures of my better half. So, um, but um, I need to settle on the developer because it's one of those things that when we keep changing, chopping and changing, you never know what you're getting results wise. I, I, I remember trying a few developers years ago and I just stuck with ID11 just because it's, it's really cheap. It comes in powder form. So if I don't mix it up straight away, it's not a problem. Like I buy it in five liter contact like mixes. Um, it lasts a long time and you get great results with it. Like I'm sure it's not yeah. brilliant in all scenarios, but it's good in all the scenarios that I use it for. So mm. and, and that's it. When once you've got that kind of consistent, then like you know where there are problems then. You know, like if you find out that yeah. something's always overexposed, you can you adjust it at your camera point rather than messing around with a different developer or, or anything like that yeah i think that makes way more sense than having half a dozen different developers that you're using for different films and that you like it, you want something that's going to be fairly universal um otherwise you end up with as i frequently do multiple bottles of stuff open and just not being used frequently enough and going bad and stuff doesn't last forever does it what's your go-to developer claire same as john Really? I've never even tried ID11. ID11, now that's Ilford's 
Kodak D76, isn't is it? D76, okay. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, well, maybe next time I get some. Well, I've well, I've used all of the Paranol S that I've got. Also, the big bottle of Ultrafin that I also bought. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe that's the one that's rod. I don't know. <laughs> that might be their HC110 equivalent. I check bought them a lot all of out and get some ID11. No, in. in fact, I'm not going <laughs> to check them all out. You can have some of mine when I see you on Sunday. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let, let's talk about this because this is very exciting. Um, because well, it's, it's very exciting for me. This is the thing that I think I've mentioned a couple of times in the past, in passing, um, that I bought on at an well i wasn't at an auction i did this through an enabler who is simon forster um <laughs> i had been looking for a large format in larger so that i could I, obviously i'm shooting and enjoying shooting large format but i have no way of making prints from it other than contact prints so i've been looking for a large format in larger but they're quite expensive uh, unsurprisingly and then simon got in touch and went there's this thing on a an auction site, like I said, not eBay, but like a proper physical auction site, but they were doing it all online, could see it all. You should bid on this. And it, basically it was like a box of bits that is claiming to be an enlarger. <laughs> it is an MPP Micromat, I think, MPP Micromat cold press enlarger. Um, and I did bid on it, and I was lucky enough to win it. And it was very cheap for a large format and larger. It was very cheap. It's especially cheap at the moment because I haven't actually paid Simon for it. Um, depending on how it goes when I see him on Sunday, <laughs> I may not pay him for it. But um, I'm excited about this prospect. I'm also slightly nervous about it because it looks interesting, doesn't it, John? <laughs> it looks like an interesting contraption. Um, I'm not convinced you're ever going to use it, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Simon says, which is always a dodgy way to start a sentence. Simon says it's a very, uh, he says beautiful enlarger, which is weird. I think Simon's developing slightly fetishistic uh, attachment to it. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't I, think it's I'm, going to be so beautiful that you'll be able to keep it on your, say, dining room table and it be accepted in that environment. You never know. I think industrial mm. art sculpture it might work quite well in that. But I have I bought I bought a table specifically for it. I'm hoping that the table that I bought for it and the position that I've got it in my shed is going to give me enough headroom because this has been the biggest problem with wanting a large format larger. My shed just mm. isn't very tall, and I can't really put a chimney on it, which is what it could really do. So I've got a low table, and I'm hoping that having it at the back of the shed where it's the, at its tallest will give me enough room to get high enough to do the size of prints that I do. It's not as if I'm doing massive prints anyway, so I think it'll be okay. Um, it's an autofocus enlarger, which neither Simon nor I really understood that concept. So, John, could, as you explained it to me, please can you explain <laughs> what an autofocus enlarger is I, for the folks at I home? didn't understand it either. I had to look it up, but... It was really obvious when uh, I found the answer. And it's not the fact that it auto focuses. It means that once you focused it, you could then change the size of the image by moving the head up and down, and it will stay in focus when you do that. Like not mm. on a normally on a large, when you do that, you then have to refocus by moving the bellows yeah. or the lens board. But on an auto focusing larger, that distance automatically changes as you move it up and down the column, I believe. Mm, it's got cams and stuff and i think it's um for it to work properly it needs to be used 
the cams need to be matched with the lenses. So I'm hoping that the lenses that are with it are the original ones. And it, listen, I mean, it's a, it's a box of bits, <laughs> but the light does apparently turn on. Um, so anyway, we're going, John and I are going up to collect that uh, from Simon from the Six Towns Darks Room um, on Sunday. Uh, so looking forward to that. And I'm really hoping it works. I have to say that I am keeping my old in larger because um, assuming that we can get it working, get it all connected up and plugged in and all working properly, uh, because it's going to have to be on a very low table to to be able to fit in mm. there it's not going to be the most fun thing to work from so i will just use it for um four by five enlargements apparently it can go up to five by seven actually um, i'm not sure i've got the bits needed but it could do five by seven also six by twelve which is exciting so i'll i will use it for those things which i can't do elsewhere but normal 35 mil and six by six six by four five i'll still do on my um myopter openness because that's <laughs> just going to be a much more pleasant working height um but yeah i'm i'm excited by it and at least if it's a nightmare it wasn't an expensive nightmare so that's great that's the best kind of nightmare to have right john <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah like i said you're not convinced by this at all are you <laughs> no. um i think if you had an the environment to have it set up in a more usable space you would probably end up using it per, like for everything but mm. as is I, I don't know actually because you haven't got any other options for large format yeah large format like the, that print that i showed you earlier the large format even eight by ten it's just it's magical isn't it you know yeah like, scans of large format look great but to actually okay. do a print of a large format neg is is brilliant. So yeah, like that bug might bite you, and you were uh, yeah, mm. you might just go for it. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm I'm hopeful for you. Hopeful. Fingers crossed. Well, at the very least, Simon assures me it looks beautiful, um, and it'll just be a piece of art in my dark room, my massive, massive dark room, which definitely has room for a six foot art installation in the corner. Um, so hey, I'm looking I'd forward to that. I realised something today that I'm very grateful for, and that is the the day we're going to collect it. It's one day short of still not being able to hug each other, so I'm I'm really happy about that. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like this is the thing, isn't it? When when the government says to you, you you from from Monday onwards you can hug, which is one of those great sentences you see on the news thing and think, oh that's hilarious just to read that is hilarious but i i did feel like i needed to put a broadcast out to family and friends saying obviously from monday onwards we are allowed to hug each other so please know that if i still do not hug you it's purely because i just don't want to get close <laughs> to you it is no longer sanctioned um but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to things changing going forward it's interesting talking to both of you guys like the fact that you've been away doing this stuff at the tower claire and john you've been doing these talks and you've been actually out doing stuff again this week it all feels like stuff is starting to happen again pace is starting to build up and along with that our own energy and enthusiasm is starting to get lifted up again um after being quite depressed <laughs> not <laughs> as in feeling mentally depressed but just like pushed down by the weight of everything else this year it's great it's, it's one of those things i didn't i didn't really recognized that it was happening to me at the time but now that i'm starting to experience photographic endeavors again it's it's highlighted to me how kind of numb i've been 
like the last six months yeah. like yeah. creatively so it's just it's brilliant to kind of feel that enthusiasm again so yeah yeah it's a real good feeling it's a real good feeling um for my part as i've already mentioned i got my four by five next developed over the weekend uh so that was fun always good to get in the dark room and do that um and i was having a dig around and as i mentioned on last week's show the fact that i'd um been into whitney and taken some pictures and um i actually this one of the things i've got to show and tell so i talked about this camera i've mentioned it a few times so i'm afraid this doesn't help listeners but this mm. camera that i'm holding up now this is my um i haven't got a good name for it yet um but this is the camera that is a yashica um so if i turn it that way yeah. uh that is the front of a Yashica LR44, LM44, uh, the 127 camera. And this is the back of it. The rest of it is just the box that my mobile phone came in. Uh, these lovely wooden handles here, they're off my Ondu pinhole camera. I needed some handles. So um, so I enjoyed using that when I was going out around Whitney. And um, it made me think, oh, again, I, I, the results from this are interesting and and I want to do more with it. And it got me back to thinking about the fact that I'm always complaining about um, my environment and the stuff here not yeah. being inspiring. And as I did with my myopic me project of using the very blurred out lens, it's I need to use different tools to approach it because just going out with ordinary cameras and ordinary lenses that are going to capture the world as it is it doesn't work for me. Um, so along with that, the other camera that I dug out this week after John and Aid and I were talking about these things after we recorded last week, and it put it back into my mind, is a camera that I only put, well, I, I thought I'd only put one on, but it is this camera. This is so big. There we go. Now, mm. this is the um, Kraken, which is made, it's a 3D printed camera. And this is made by Graham Young from the Homemade po um, Camera Podcast. It's a 3D printed 6x12 camera. That he very kindly sent me uh well over a year ago now um and you fix a large format lens onto the front of it um this one i said graham graham will print these off and send them to you or you can get the buy the plans and do them yourself if you have a 3d printer and you print off the correct cone to go with the lens that you're using and you buy a helicoid a focusing helicoid um which is how you focus obviously um and then you have a means of putting a very good lens on the front of a camera that is going to shoot six by 12, um, which is a really interesting, really fun format to work with. What, what lens have you got on the front of that? So I've got a 150 mil lens on the front of this um, because that's the only lens I had at the time. Um, and I was flicking back through the results and it, it reminded me, oh yeah, this camera can do stuff that, because you've got that two to one ratio aspect ratio and using essentially a, a, a shallow depth of focus 50 millimeter lens equivalent on mm -hmm. the front of it that can give you some really good fun um, effects and I, I well i thought i'd only put one roll of film through it um when i went to get it all set back up again because i'd taken the lens off because i was using it with my large format camera that's the one downside it's it's a bit of a faff getting the lens on and off there so um I thought, okay, no, I know I'm going to use this. I'm going to just get it back on here. I found another roll of film shot in there um, <laughs> as it was. Um, I only got, well, hang on, where's the, where did I put it? Anyway, oh, here we go. This this shows you, again, you won't be able to see these very well, um, but this shows you the size of the negatives. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to using that again. 
much like my home my homemade camera um they're both cameras that i know if i spend more time shooting with both of them and really getting to know them in the way that people who shoot regularly with holgers and other similar cameras get to know and understand the framing on those i'm going to get better results from them because my homemade camera has no viewfinder and the Kraken does have like a top-mounted plastic viewfinder, but it's a very basic viewfinder that you're just looking through. So, um, so I'm excited about doing more playing around with that and hopefully just squeezing more out of the space that I've mm -hmm. got around me because I'm not moving house anytime soon and I'm not going on holiday anytime soon. So either I have to work with what I've got around me um or not take any pictures and i don't want to do that so i think that those two cameras and um my large format my um, carbon adventure i think are probably going to be my main weapons of choice mm. for the immediate future mm. um and i'm kind of quite excited about all of that um i did also just want to show uh, the listeners on here again or the viewers apologies but um because I didn't, this was um mm. i talked about it last week this is the uh polaroid of sinead that i took that that was the one i was particularly pleased with um the, it's blurry um and it's probably even more blurry showing that but um that mm. was my one shot from last week that i was happy with and i said mm. i think you get one shot from saying um what was your light source again graham was it a was it a torch no, so for that particular picture, for that session where I took the large format pictures and that Polaroid, I mm. used the LED lamp, which I'm going to swing briefly into view okay. here now. Hang on, let me see if I can get that across, which is just, whee, it's ah, just, the, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not very strong. I just use it to illuminate my face badly now. Now that I've moved it, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, it's not a very powerful light source and I had to have it really close to yeah. Sinead's face. Um, and I was, was surprised that... Was she holding it? No, it's actually, because it's a desk lamp, um, but it's mounted, the, the it's meant to clamp onto a desk. So it's like an angle poise lamp, but instead of having a base, it clamps on. So it's quite good and flexible, quite handy for that. Mm. Um, and I was quite surprised, Claire. I mentioned this last week, but you weren't here um, because you were lost in the wilds. I was quite surprised that the Polaroid camera that I used, which is a Polaroid um, Sun 600, I think it was. It's, a, it's one, of the, one of the basic Polaroids. Um, I was expecting it to have a fairly static shutter speed, mm. whereas clearly what it did was it slowed that shutter speed down to try and expose the picture. In a, in a far smarter way than I was imagining. So with the two pictures that I took with it, um, both of them, uh, this is the other one I took from the from the mm. night before. Um, that's the phase uh, yeah. of flash. So again, you can see that the camera, it, it slowed the sheet to the speed down. So I got blurring and movement, but it actually exposed the picture mm. properly. And I wasn't expecting it to do that because the Instax pictures, which I also have here, um, they're just dark. Whoop, wait, wait, left a bit, right a bit. Mm -hmm. They're just dark. Um, and that was more frustrating. Yeah. Is that Instax, that one? Yeah, that's the Instax. So, um, how close did you, how close were you um, in front of Sinead? Because you have to be actually really, really close, I think, with, with Polaroid, closer than people really might imagine. 
Uh, but there's a limit though, isn't there? With especially <laughs> with I know you use um, you've got an SX70, haven't you? That you primarily use. Yeah, and 680. But I find that with them, I find generally you tend to have to be quite close. Um, there's a limit to how close you can get before it won't <laughs> focus. Um, and I think any, if you're closer than the meter with my cameras, which are the the, the basic ones, you're not going to be in focus. Now, obviously, that doesn't really matter if you're also going to be blurred. But um, I, I mean, I couldn't be closer than the meter with that without okay. it. Because even when I've shot them in good light with the flash, um, if I'm closer than the meter, that I'm, mm. I'm out of that focus zone. What's the closest you can focus with your cameras? Um, um, I don't know. I'd have to demonstrate. <laughs> a <you>. foot? <laughs> this yeah. far. But it's, it's usually, I always, you know, because I've learned, you always have to be a lot closer than you think you do with a Polaroid camera and you just get used to it from using it. But yeah. if I, like, if I'm, if I was shooting another individual, um, I would say to them, you know, I'm probably going to be quite close to you yeah so, uh, just in case they think what's she doing she's going to be like right at me yeah you're, you're no, usually closer to someone that than, than you can you know than fill the frame with it and and when i'm doing my own uh my sort of self-portraits on the tripod and, and in the characters sometimes you'd be surprised at how close that camera that camera is to make sure you feel yeah. the frame and and you and you're not kind of blurred. Again, it comes back to the thing of, of getting to know the tools that you're using. Mm -hmm. Repeatedly, you get a feel for that, and um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, that's what I've been up to this week. Um, I think that is everything. It is, yeah. And we've already waffled on quite a lot. So let's move on to Zine Talk. Play the Zine Talk theme tune, John. And my camera stopped working right at the moment <laughs> that I was singing that it's song. John, mid beep boop. <laughs> Just, it's properly it's got stuck, stick. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this is the joy. This is what you miss out on when you're not watching the video. You don't get to see John frozen mid action. Um, well, whilst John tries to remedy that, let's at least briefly. Actually, what I will do. I think my Zine camera is still working, so let's bring that okay. up quickly. Here we go. Okay, so there we you go. bring that up. Good. Whilst zine you camera. are showing the Zine off, I will read through the letter that was sent to us by uh, Ian, who um, we talked about this briefly last week. Um, so thank you very much, Ian, for sending us this. So, uh, dear Sunny16, um, please find enclosed a copy of my new Zine, Passing Through Paddington. It's my first attempt at a printed booklet zine. Uh, this is obviously different. Ian made this fantastic book on um, stereo photography, which we talked about last year, but this is a different oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And it's a collection of photographs curated from about a year-long series that I took commuting into London. In the same way that the folded A4 mini zine, oh, that was another great thing we got from Ian, a Moments in Motherwell, which is that A4 piece of paper, uh, which was great, I sent you some months back, was a product of my travel as a part of my work. This new production, Passing Through Paddington, is also the result of carrying a 35mm camera as I travelled to and from work in central London. Mm. I've been looking for a photography project, but found I already had one amongst the photographs I had taken before retiring last year. Uh, 
In the photographs in this scene, I've tried to capture something of the experience of commuting to London. This is a mixture of fervent travel and waiting around, of crowds and quieter corners, of seeing the same people stand in the same place day after day and of being surrounded by the great architecture of Brunel's Paddington Station. These pictures were taken pre-pandemic and some of the crowd scenes now look to me strangely of another age. Including the cover, there are 26 A5 images in this publication, and hopefully they convey some of my feelings and experience of the journey. It's been fun putting them together, and I've had them spiral bound to enable the booklet to be left open to any image that takes your fancy. There's a little mention of the Sunny 16 podcast at the back of the booklet because the show is constant inspiration to try new things with my photography. I find it is great to hear weekly the enjoyment that everyone gets exploring the possibilities of analog photography. Mm. Uh, as we see, I sent John a copy of this scene as well, which we are all seeing. Well, we're not all seeing. If you're listening to this, sadly, you aren't seeing. Um, but again, maybe go to the video and you can see this. Um, as I enjoy getting his choosing and losing zine. Mm. Indeed, it's one of the things that encouraged me to create this publication. I'm happy to send other sunnies a copy if they would like one. Just ask them to email or message me. And here's the important bit. This scene is available in my Etsy store, which is on a hill road, all one word, mm. or via the link on my website, which is www.onahillroad.com. The price is £5, including postage in the UK. And I can send it abroad but and as a mere £3.50 postage. Best regards from Ian. Um, thank you very much, Ian. I think this scene is really awesome because I think Ian's done a fantastic job capturing the spirit of Paddington Station. Mm -hmm. And you you travel quite a lot, Claire. I know you have as well, John. Places like big train stations like Paddington uh, and, and airports as well, they have a really weird energy to them, don't they? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what um, Ian has really managed to capture in this zine is the unique energy that these travel hubs have. Um, what do you think of it, Claire? Because you've not seen it before. I really like when you when John was turning the pages. Um, I, I, I well, I like the one you're on now, and I like the one <laughs> someone stood on the. Sorry for listeners. It's the, <laughs> platform someone was on a platform that's a few 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 back uh carry on it's great because i think that's what i really like about this scene I is like that th as well. th there's a real cross-section of stuff from the crowd scenes to individual tiny moments to as you said the quiet corners um if you've never visited paddington station this is a great way to get an insight into it yeah. um the way yeah, like he's um, he's got it bound as well with the spiral binding to be able to turn it round and see the different um, like between the portrait and the aspect ratio works really well. I think that's a really that's a really smart idea, and it's something I struggled mm. with in with, with zine formats because if you can imagine if your zine is landscape like that and you try and put in yeah. a long portrait style shot, you're only getting like that much of the pages, don't you? So you kind of you're wasting it and, and losing a lot of detail in that image. So I think that's a really clever, clever way around it. It's the nice thing about there being so many zines being made these days is that people are, are trying different things, exploring new ways of doing it. And, and you get, I mean, I'm sure this stuff has all been done before, but you get 
you're more likely to be exposed to it because there's more people mm. doing it and get ideas that you can take away from it. I like it. I like it. And it's a good, good, um, good focus of subject as well, because it's a good combination because I like I, I really like architecture. And I think a lot of the uh, stations, uh, the London stations and London generally has has lovely architecture. And also I like the fact that um, it's this, it's it's one of those the images I think will sort of get better and better as time goes on because they're the sort of images I love to see say 15 20 years from now and you think oh look and and look at their look at their hats or look at their those coats or something so I, I like that that's a really nice scene yeah that, that is the one that... no which is the what it's is it which is the one that goes to which is the station that goes to Cardiff? Is that Paddington? It's Paddington, isn't Probably, it? Probably, yeah. 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 It's a big um, one. Paddington's really big, isn't Paddington's it? Paddington's massive. <laughs> Paddington's warping. Yeah. I mean that picture that John is showing now, which is a scene looking across the um I, I i'm sure there's a proper word for it platform that's the word it's a, it's a good trainee word looking across the platform and there's the stairs going up and there's just there's a mm. good amount of people it's not crowded but there's a good amount of people there but that's a really good example of what you were saying claire of yeah. a kind of picture which is it's a beautifully constructed picture now and you can appreciate mm. it now but as time goes on all the elements that are part of it the style of clothing that people are wearing the signage yeah. that's in there all of these things are only going to get more and more interesting as they disappear and get changed mm -hmm. uh yeah it's great really cool what, what i love uh, about this image is it's the sort of scene that as as you can see from the people in it they're not aware of this scene because they're all engrossed yeah. in their own worlds they're either reading yeah. a book looking at their yeah. phone or walking to their platform and yeah. if you were traversing through the station as well you might not see this the detail that's mm -hmm. going on in this scene and it's been captured really well and it's nice Definitely. to spend some time kind of getting lost in all the characters there and, and wondering what they're doing and like yeah i was going to say I, there's some characters isn't there if you if you were to hang out on paddington station all day you see some real characters probably get arrested i would think no no. Um, and also, I, this is because I'm pretty sure I remember reading this. I think Ian shot all of this. Yeah, on his on um, an Olympus trip. You know, mm. the, the good old Olympus trip. There's a reason that camera is still really popular. No, it's, it's really it's not nice. great little camera. That's awesome. Um, John, you wanted to mention about another zine. Have you managed to kick your actual face camera into gear yet? Or, no, not or yet. Or get to look at your no. static mug. <laughs> you you have you got something else to mention? Well, didn't you want to mention Andrew Zine as well? I did, but I need to sort out my computer before I do that. <laughs> sort I, out actually, your no, face. I, I think I can bring it up. There we go. Let's have a look. There we go. That'll do. Um, Andrew Walmsley has also made a zine called, uh, what's it called? It? Desolation. But having looked, looking at the, mm. uh, the website now, they're out of stock. But uh, it still oh. looks very interesting. And I think it's his first, first zine that he's done. Um, as he says, it's in, the intention of the project was very simple to have fun, something that's lacking, often neglected. And mm. this type of work is about history and documenting something frozen in time, images that should make you ask what happened and why. Mm. But yeah, well done, Andrew. That's a uh, great work. 
Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's so what's, what was the car one? Sorry. It's, a, it's an Astra. It looked like a... an old car. Is that, is it's, it a, it's a Vauxhall <laughs> Astra. <laughs> <laughs> relatively old <laughs> i mean it's not i wouldn't say it's a true classic but you know people probably mm. disagree vehemently with me um well i think that's about everything then isn't it guys i think so i think i so, think so yeah. john and his frozen face yeah i'm not <laughs> frozen gonna face. To get this resolved am I? <laughs> i'm sure you will john you can work with it um before we get out of here um want to take the opportunity because we don't do these kind of more informal backing paper style shows as often as we see as you used to now it's worth pointing out this is not all on us well it's mostly on us because we don't do them but when we started the refresh back august last year oh that's much better <laughs> What's happened you've, now? Probably broke, you've probably broken it we've just got um static video colors blasting across the screen mm -hmm. um that's good some small edit might be needed like at this it. point in the show <laughs> it. <laughs> it's psychedelic <laughs> well i think it's still recording okay here so is it oh good well okay uh, that's fine I'll, I'll seamlessly edit that bit of audio out or i'll leave it one of the two um uh Yes, yeah, so as I was saying, when we started this, our plan was that we were going to do backing paper one week to deal with you know our, all of our listener communication stuff and talk to the community and all that stuff, and Sunny Sixteen podcast to have our guests on and do that kind of stuff on the other week. But our listener communication, probably because everyone was quite locked down and not being able to do stuff and talk about it, uh, dried up like the Sahara Desert. Now, we would love to engage with you guys more, um, to hear more about what you're doing, whatever it is, what you're thinking about, what you're passionate about, what you've missed doing this last year, what you're excited about doing, all of that good stuff. Um, if you get in touch with us more, we will do more shows like this, do more email shows. And um, yeah, it's something I, I personally really miss, all the emails. Um, so if you've got something you want to get in touch with us about, please do. The other thing that we don't do very often because we don't get the chance to and we're normally very focused on our guests and what we're doing with that is to say thank you so much to all of our coffee supporters. Um, you guys are amazing. Uh, so um, thank you very much, everybody who does support us through coffee. It's hugely appreciated. Everybody who supports us now and everybody who has supported us over the last couple of years, uh, it, uh, <laughs> it has enabled us to do a load of stuff that we would be find a lot more difficult if you didn't do it. It's enabling us at the moment, it enables Claire and Rachel to be able to do and record um, their podcasts uh, underexposed, which um, Rachel, yeah. we put out that show last week. And Claire, you're on film podcast. Yeah, uh, thank you. If it wasn't for the coffee stuff, we wouldn't be able to pay for the Google stuff that we have that enables us to do that. Um, the fact that, you know, Claire, you're going to be going off to the, um, uh, oh God, what's the experimental photography festival later in the year? And we're going to be able to send you away with a recording device to hopefully get mm. some sweet interviews and stuff like that. All of this stuff is thanks to you guys who are supporting us. We are hugely grateful. Um, I love the fact that we've got a blank Polaroid where John was now. I'm not sure whether that's an improvement or not, but it's great. Um, all of this good stuff. So I know we don't say it often enough, but please know that we think it all the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. 
Claire, is there anything else this week you want to let listeners know about? Uh, no, I don't think there is, Graham. Nothing that I can think of. No? Um, no. John, assuming that you're still here and haven't been eradicated, no matter what your picture frame may say, I am anything still here. from you? I am still here. I'd like to uh, propose a little prompt for people to email in with, and that is I've reignited my love for behind-the-scenes photography this week, um, and I'd like to pose the question, what has been your favourite thing to photograph behind the scenes? And if you haven't done any, what would be the one thing you would love to do? That's a very good prompt. Very good prompt. Um, have you got any upcoming stuff on your YouTube channel, John? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I haven't got time at the moment, unfortunately, to, to plan. I might do, um, when I do a mural print, one of these big prints for the exhibition, I might attempt to record some of it at the same time and put that up on my YouTube channel. So that might be quite an interesting little bit of a behind the scenes of, of, of that process. Mm. And at the very least, go to John's channel because very recently he posted a very short film that he made. Um, shot on, uh, you tell us what it is, John, because I'll get it wrong. It's a stop motion animation of a dice rolling uh, shot on 36 frames of FP4 and then pieced together into a little movie. It's very cool. It's very cool. I was delighted when I saw that. So go and check that out as well. Well, we said this was going to be a short show. We lied. Uh, what are you going to do? But, you know, an hour, it's at least not a long show. So I guess that's something. At least we're not awful liars. Um, but we will get out of here now and leave you guys to enjoy the rest of your week uh, and your upcoming weekend um, and look forward to future weeks made up of hugs and pubs and hopefully more good times Um I think things are going to get better. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, John. And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a lot more listeners in the very near future. I know we've already got one photo walk that I think is already fully booked going on in Oxford in June. There will be more coming. We're going to start cranking out photo walks, I think. We'll get more stuff organized very soon because we need to get back together. We will play you out, as always, with Rachel's fantastic music from the band Roja, which you can find in all the usual awesome places you can find music. Check out Sunny 16 Presents. Uh, at the end of this week, we're going to have the next episode, probably end of this week, weekend, whenever, uh, episode 11 of I Dream of Cameras. We've also got a cool bit of listener content coming in from our friend of the show, Paul Friday. That will be out this week. And Rachel's underexposed with the wonderful uh, Jenny Sampson and Claire that was out last week. Lots of stuff to listen to there. Thank you very much for listening slash watching this week <laughs> from myself from Claire and for John who I assure you is still here somewhere <laughs> thanks everybody <laughs> and goodbye goodbye good night